Welcome back to the 12th episode of Rare. I'm your host, Ricky, and today we're going to talk about gateway games. These are games that you can find at most retail stores that sell board games, are easy to learn, and they're great for if you just want to get your feet wet in the fantastic hobby of board games. Well, enough of the details. Let's roll the dice and get the episode started. you miss us? Yeah. I missed everybody. We kind of went on an accidental holiday break. We forgot to mention that we were also I going on break. Yeah. Like there was a couple times where I'm like, did we ever mention that? And like forgot <laughs> to ask you. Yeah. I don't I don't think we did. I know we definitely did for Redbeard, but I don't think we ever did for Rare. So sorry for our uh, extended hiatus. <laughs> uh, for everybody who didn't know, we took a break <laughs> and we're back. We're back for and... the, the holiday season. Yeah, because we want to help everybody who maybe has some, you know, gift cards to your big re- retail stores like Walmarts and Targets and stuff like that. And maybe you're wanting to get into some board games or. Maybe you're looking for some, you know, new board games and you have gift cards for those places. This is a good episode for you. Yeah. Dip your toe in (laughs) to the board game realm. If you're already here, these are some classics that you should have on your shelves. I mean, you don't have to, but they're pretty good. That's why they're classics. Yeah. Well, some of mine are not classics, but they're still pretty good games we got some classics okay (laughs) well rolling right in uh speaking of not a classic one of the games that i have is called trash pandas it plays two to four players and it's uh it runs about 15 to 20 minutes for the gameplay so it's it's a pretty quick game um it's published by game right and they make some pretty kind of classic games. Like they've had um, Slam Witch, which I played all the time as a kid, which is kind of like Slapjack, but you're making sandwiches. I've never heard of it. It's really, it's really cute. It's really fun. I have a little tin that has it. You should pick that one up too. <laughs> Anyways, talking about Trash Pandas, uh, it's also designed by Lisa Eskew. And Michael Eskew. I'm guessing that's how you say their last name. Cute. (laughs) But the point of Trash Pandas is that you are a trash panda, a.k.a. a raccoon, and you need to stash your trash because you're collecting uh, garbage from garbage cans, um, and you're rolling a die to determine what actions you take. So it's a press your luck kind of game because on your turn you can roll the dice as much as you want so if you have so there's different actions you can recycle or you can stash or you can use your cards um and the the dice all determine what you can do but if you ever wind up with doubles 
you basically lose your turn. So <laughs> you 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 can keep rolling to decide what actions you do on your turn. You don't take those actions every time, but you just roll until you get actions that you want to do, but you run the risk of rolling doubles and basically losing your turn. Dang. But it's it's a it's a fast, uh fun, quick kind of game. The all the cards have like kind of funny names. I can't quite remember what some of them are, but I know there's a really fantastic name for the like garbage pizza. <laughs> and uh but it's really cute. The art is really cute. Um and who can say no to a trash panda? <laughs> so cute. <laughs> but that's trash pandas. Yeah. Um I'm going to go on, like, the completely opposite end <laughs> of the spectrum. Yeah. And go for a super classic with not cute artwork. It's more Boo. of the realistic side-ish. Because <laughs> I don't know if Trash Pandas is more cartoony or not. It's cartoony, yeah. I, I doubt they have realistic raccoons. <laughs> no, um, not at all. Uh, so I'm going to talk about... Catan, or Catan, however you feel like pronouncing it. <laughs> uh, it is three to four players, though I, f- I, want- I thought it was three to five players, but I could be thinking of like an expansion or something, because they've got like a ton. Yeah, I feel like um, there's an expansion for five to six players, I think. Yeah. Um, it does run a lot longer. It's uh, 60 to 120 minutes. Um, I think it was by Cosmos, but I think now it's Mayfair Games, and it's by Klaus uh, Tuber. That's how you pronounce his last name. Sure. Go <laughs> with it. Um, so Catan is a like resource management game. Um, there's the board is made of a bunch of hexagons with a number on them. I believe it's. 1 through 12? That sounds right. It's been a hot minute since I've played, so... Uh, probably 2 through 12, because you roll 2 dice, and then, like, whatever number you roll, if you have a settlement on that tile, you get the resources. So it has to be th- 2 through 12, because you can't roll a 1 oh, on dice. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so there's, like, sheep and wheat and clay and bricks that you can get, and then you, like, like I said, you roll dice, you gather the resources to build roads, to build settlements, um, to build a city. Um, city, you kind of get, like, more stuff whenever a dice is rolled. So, uh, you start off, I think, with two settlements on the board and a couple roads, Mm -hmm. and then, um, as you play, you're building more roads, and you have to build a settlement somewhere along your road, and I think you have, like, so many, uh, settlements that you can play. I, I don't think I've ever ran out of settlements. I think I've maybe come close to running out of roads. Yeah. Um, but you can upgrade your settlement. Uh, to a city, and like I said, you will get more resources with your cities, and then um, settlements and cities and some other things are worth points, and whoever gets to a set amount of points sets, like, the end game, and then, you know, at the end of 
like all the rounds, whoever has the most points, you know, wins. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think there's points that you can get for having um, the longest road. Uh, There's points that you can get for having the largest army, which comes with like cards that you can buy, which have knights on them. There's some of them that let you get extra resources. There's ships along the side. There's like little docks around the outside because the outside is supposed to be like the ocean like you're on the little island of Catan mm-hmm. and at the shipping docks you can trade resources like three for one and at some of the special ones it's like two for one or something like that mm-hmm. so you can trade resources um, throughout the game you can trade resources with other people they have to be willing to want to trade with you um, so it is kind of cooperative in a sense, but it's actually super, super competitive. It's very cutthroat. It's, <laughs> it's it's one of those games. It's a classic, but like it's one of the games that everybody teases. Like you'll lose your friends over because you're just yeah. fighting to get like get the resources you want. Really aggressive, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's fun. It I haven't is. played it in a while, but. I, I, I want to, but we rarely have three people to play it, so yeah. that's, that's the one downside, mm-hmm. is that it the, the classic one that you can just walk into Walmart and get is three to four players. Mm-hmm. If you buy it and you find that you like it and you want something else, there are definitely expansions for that. Like we said, you can get an expansion that's um, five to six players if mm-hmm. you want more people to play. They even... They do have a two-player Catan. It's its own separate thing. I'm not... I don't think it's as common in the stores, but it is out there. So if you find you like Catan, but want to be able to play it with just, like, you and another person, there is a two-player Catan. I had no idea, so that was news for me. (laughs) Yeah. I forget what it's called. It's, like, something of Catan. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but it is still Catan, so if you like, just search two-player Catan, I'm sure you'll you can find it. Come up, so, and I do know there's like really fun, like because it is such like a classic game, and it's introduced like a lot of people into like a little bit more advanced games and just different games and game styles that you can actually find. I think a like room sized Catan or like a giant version of it or like people have like made rooms in their house where you can like play Catan with like the whole room sort of thing or you can buy like the foam pieces to connect them and actually kind of make the board as you would in like an actual game which is just really really neat so if you want to see like some fun stuff with a kind of classic board game i suggest looking up some stuff with it because it is really cool i even think they have like a game of thrones katana or something like that like it's a slightly obscure theme thrown onto it yeah (laughs) but yeah that is katan 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 (laughs) how much twang do you want um So another really great kind of classical game that a lot of people might not have heard of is Ticket to Ride, which uh, is a little bit nicer for the, uh, um, you can play with two to five, so you can play with one less person and one more person than Catan right out the gate. (laughs) 
Yeah. But I, I do think Ticket to Ride is probably a little bit more expensive than Contan, just because of the um, amount of pieces with Ticket to Ride. Yeah, I could see it. But Ticket to Ride, um, it runs about 30 to 60 minutes. I think it sort of depends on how fast people are playing it, I think is mm-hmm. a lot of that time. It's published by Days of Wonder, um, and the designer is Alan R. Moon. But Ticket to Ride is, what was it, like a resource management kind of game? Yeah, I'd probably say it's it. It's kind of similar to Catan in some ways, and then not yeah. at all in other ways. Because so. <laughs> the point of Ticket to Ride is you're building a like railway monopoly. So you are connecting trains, um, like train tracks, to different cities, and all the players have um, different colored trains. Um, and everybody has the same amount of trains. And if I remember right, when the last person gets down to i think two or three trains the game is over and everybody Um, else gets one turn so it's the first person to get down to two trains triggers the end yeah and then everybody gets one extra turn after that yeah but that just triggers the end game um and then every player gets um some routes they have to make Um, And it's a map of the United States, so you're connecting trains from, like, Los Angeles to Chicago and from, like, D.C. to, uh, I'm trying to remember, like, this. (laughs) It's mostly got, like, the bigger, like, the more well-known cities. Yeah. Typically. Yeah, and I I have a feeling it's, it's set more in, like a time period for trains. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's, it's got, like, a modern map i mean it is but i would say that the the cities in it were probably more you know heavily populated in the heyday of trains sort of thing yeah so it's not all capitals (laughs) no it's not all capitals but it is more of like the major cities in each of the states metropolitan cities and then as you start connecting trains you have to lay down um, the different connections to each city might have a color associated with it and that's the color of the card you have to lay down and so if you wanted to lay down um, on a six train track from I don't know Chicago to Minneapolis and it's a six train track you need to lay down six black train cars in order to do so. And so on your turn, you're generally um, picking up cards. Um, and instead of picking up cards, I think you can decide to um, get some more goal cards, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering right, um, which is how you do it's the main way to get points. Um, and then there are, there's like bonus points for having the longest connecting track. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is a, uh, a pretty easy game to get into. I know my brother just got my nephews that game, and um, they just played it for the first time, and I think they really had a blast with it. My half-brother was texting me about it while they were doing it, <laughs> and um, they said that they were like a, a little bit confused by the rules, and then well after they were done playing, I sent them a how-to video. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's not really complicated, but there are a lot of parts to it, mm-hmm. and there are quite a few things you can do on your turn. Yeah, and all the all those things are like do this or this. Like you can't mm-hmm. do multiple things like on your turn. It's like draw. You, you have to draw train cards, or mm-hmm. you have to, like, play train cards to lay down trains, mm-hmm. or you can pick a new ticket. Um, the thing with tickets is if you don't complete them, you'll actually get minus oh, yeah. those points. Oh, yeah. about that? You get the negative points. Yeah. So, like, if you have a long route that's worth 20 points and you don't quite get it, you're you're losing those 20 points. Yeah. Um, so it's very... You, you really gotta think, do you want to risk getting more tickets? Especially mm-hmm. if it's, like, later in the game and people are yeah. under, you know, a certain amount of trains. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to think, is it worth it? Yeah. And you <laughs> can't be, really like, a total jerk to the people you're playing with because you can block other people's routes. Yes. Um, so, for I example, <laughs> you see somebody else going towards a different city, you can go to that city and basically block off their route to that city and or if you like make a line in front of somebody and they can't cross yours it's it can be a bit of a nightmare yeah it it, it really depends on the type of people you're playing with if they're mm-hmm. going to do that luckily yeah. most of <laughs> the people i play with aren't like purposefully yeah. trying to like block your routes oh yeah the only time that happens is if like they happen to be needing that same exact route. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the routes are double routes, so if you're playing with enough people, you can use double routes, which can help. But it sucks when like you're playing with three people and all three people like need the same you route, the same. and so yeah. only two oh. people get it, and the third person has to find like the long way around. Yeah, that it's tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But I would say it is a classic game, but it's still a, a game that a lot of people have not played. I highly recommend Ticket to Ride. There are mm-hmm. a couple different variations. I know there is a smaller, cheaper version of it that's called Ticket to Ride London. And it's just, mm-hmm. I think, the underground of London. I've never played it. I would have to imagine it runs relatively similarly. It's just a smaller version of ticket to ride so Um, we did play ticket to ride new york that one time oh yeah so ticket to ride new york london and i think there's a third one are all like the small and condensed versions and Mm -hmm. they are actually starting to be sold um with like the regular ticket to ride Mm -hmm. now um and they are they take about 10 to 15 minutes instead of you know like 30 to 60 yeah. So it's kind of like a short, condensed, like, get a taste of it and then move mm-hmm. on kind of, like, version. But if you want, like, the the big, bulky guy, yeah, get the regular one. Mm-hmm. Um, it also does have uh, an app that you can play on, mm-hmm. and it does have a lot of expansions. It's another one. If, if you haven't gotten into it, uh, get the base game. If you've mm-hmm. played it and want a little bit of a variation... They Mm -hmm. have plenty of Mm -hmm. maps from, like, different countries Mm -hmm. and stuff, so. Yeah. And there's there's a different variation that's, like, I think it's Rails and Sails, Uh I want to say. I haven't played that one yet, though. 
I haven't, I've heard mixed things on it. Um, I've heard a lot of people say the boats don't seem to translate as well or something like that. I've always thought it seemed fun. I have not personally played it, so I cannot personally give my thoughts. <laughs> right, me neither. But, but Tomb Raider Red is pretty fantastic. Yes, and um, I've played, I think it's like the, um, I want to say it's the England version, maybe. It's the one that you can make like train stations or something like that. Yeah, that one I think is just Europe. Europe. There's one that's yeah. Europe, and then there's one that's, like, England, specifically. Okay. Or Great I, Britain or something I like that. I always get but them the Europe one mixed is fun. up. Because you can um, basically um, make it to where if somebody goes to a city, you can make it to where you can also go to that city by placing, like, a, a train station. I forget exactly what it's called. Um but you don't lose points if you use them, You, but you get points if you don't use them. <laughs> right. So it's in your benefit not to, but sometimes you need to. If you're you in a pinch to. and you really yeah. need that, that specific city for a card, you can yeah. use it like almost as if you laid trains there even though you didn't. Yeah. So, uh, long story short, if you have not played Ticket to Ride, give it a Do shot. Do it. Because it is seriously a really great, fantastic game that I still love it so, so very much. I love, I like, if I'm in a mood to play a game, I'll just get on, you know, the computer or the iPad and get on the app because mm -hmm. it's just, it's so easy and fun to play. It is. Uh, like, whatever my friend wants to play it, he's hey do you want to play choo-choos i'm like hell yeah i want to play choo-choos <laughs> choo-choos <laughs> um and i would say that that ticket to ride is a good um kind of a younger crowd like i said my nephews played it and um they're i think about... they do have like the my first ticket to ride or they something do. Like that. yeah they, they do, do have like a or like my first journey or something like that yeah it's like a more kid oriented one but I think if your kids can c understand, like, matching things and laying down, mm -hmm. like, a certain number of cards for a certain number of spaces, like, for sure. they can play this game. Yeah, because I would say if they, if they have a good concept of, like, looking at a card and figuring out where those points are, they might not even necessarily need to read the cities, but if they can understand kind of geography... I think they would be fine at it if they know their colors and they know a little bit of like pinpointing where places are. I think it's a really good fit for a younger crowd because there's not really a lot of reading involved. And it is colorblind friendly. They do have shapes. Oh, they on do the have shapes. Cards. Yeah, it is. It's really so... nice when games do that. Mm hmm. Yep. But that's Sorry, done. Ticket to Ride. No, it's okay. <laughs> We're just like, Ticket to Ride is amazing. Play it. Do it. Do it now. Do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, my next game is Azul. It is two to four players. Runs about 30 to 45 minutes. Uh, there was a couple people, I think... I think Plan B Games 
is the one that I remember seeing on the box. Um, but also Next Move Games. And it's by Michael Keisling. Um, this is one that I had seen in Target a few times, and I've heard of people playing it. And it's just like, we got it because we heard everybody loved it and mm-hmm. then put it down for like a year or two <laughs> and then finally played it like oh. at the end of last year. You really? loved it. Loved I, I it. I love Azul. <laughs> That's a game that I don't have. I would kind of consider that a bit of a classic game. Like once you play it, it's one of those games where even if you don't pull it out for a long time, when you do pull it out, you're like, oh, yeah, this game. Right. Um, so in Azul, uh, basically what you're doing is you're making a mosaic wall. And uh, the boards are actually two-sided, so one actually has a pattern on it that you have to follow. And the other side is all blank, so you can make your own pattern, but you do still have like specific rules you have to follow. Um, like, you can't have the same tile in the same vertical or horizontal, like, line. But on your turn, um, there's a bunch of factories, which is where, like, all the tiles sit at the beginning of the game. And you kind of go around and uh, pick certain tiles out and you put them on your board off to the side. And then, um, like, it's a square, which is the wall that you're filling up. And then there's, like, different, like, rows, like, one, two, three, four, and five. And you put the tiles into, like, those rows. And once you finish your row, then you can move a tile over to your wall. And if you ever, like, run out of space in a row, it falls to the floor, (laughs) quote-unquote. And uh, it goes to the bottom of your board. And if you collect, you know, too many tiles, you're going to lose a lot of points. Because if it falls to the floor, it's worth negative points. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, so you do that. It sounds it it sounds complicated, and it looks kind of intimidating when you mm-hmm. first pull it out. But once you learn the rules, it is so easy. It is. Um, yeah. And then like the first person to fill a row on their wall, um, they get all five. Mm-hmm. Then that triggers the end game. Mm-hmm. So what we try to do is we try to fill in as much as we can like vertically because you get a lot of points for doing vertical rows Mm -hmm. or vertical columns i guess Mm -hmm. and you want to try to do that before you start kind of going like sideways yeah because you don't want to trigger the end game (laughs) (laughs) although it is fun to see who can like trigger the end game the quickest Cause it is yeah. that's that's kind of a fun way to play it too. Yeah, we could, we kind of <laughs> did that like the first couple of times we played, just because we weren't like we didn't mm-hmm. fully understand it yet. But mm-hmm. it it's also fun trying to see like how much of the board you can fill up before the end yes. game is triggered. <laughs> so I think I think the end game got triggered, and I was I was able to finish all but two tiles on my last turn. Wow, so I almost had like you. a full wall and that was exciting so that's that's a fun way to play too is just see how much mm-hmm. you can get done if you can fill it up so yeah azul is super fun they do have like a a second and a third type but they do play a little bit differently mm-hmm. i don't see them like really on the shelves as much but they they exist mm-hmm. uh, stained glass of 
Sintra is one. It's all about, like, stained glass. Um, that one, to me, looks really confusing. Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen somebody, like, talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was still kind of confusing to me. Yeah. Um, but then there was one called Summer Pavilion. Mm-hmm. And instead of being, like, little square tiles, they're, like, little diamond-shaped-ish mm-hmm. tiles. But it plays similarly, and you're making, mm-hmm. like, little star flower patterns instead of a square wall. Yeah, that one is is more similar, I think, to Azul. Yeah. So. Yes. It's, yes. <laughs> it plays a lot more similarly than what the stained glass one does. The stained mm-hmm. glass is kind of like its own little mm-hmm. thing. I don't I don't even know if I want to touch that one. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Summer Pavilion is, is cool. It's, I would say, it plays enough to where you could pick it up probably easily if you've played regular Azul. Mm-hmm. But it adds a little bit more complexity because of, like, the star shape and, like, there's more of them on the board mm-hmm. rather than just having a single square. Mm-hmm. So if you've played Azul but you want a little bit more of a challenge, go to, like, I would probably say Summer Pavilion. And if you mm-hmm. want an even bigger challenge, then go to the stained glass one. Mm-hmm. There's, like, levels to it. Almost, yeah. And then they do have another expansion, which is kind of more not an expansion, but just kind of like an add-on. It's called uh, Crystal Mosaic, and it actually comes with like plastic sleeves that you can put on top of your board that has like little indentions that holds the tiles so they don't slide around as much. That's nice. Yes. I ended up I was able to find that on Amazon for a decent price. It does come with extra boards, so it does give you, like, more play ability. Mm -hmm. And it helps keep your pieces from sliding around. Not that it's a huge problem, but it it can be, because sometimes if you, like, bump the table, Mm -hmm. they get all wonky and it's not as pretty anymore. And you're like, uh, my pieces. You want them to look so perfect. Right. But yeah, that's Azul. It's another fun, fantastic game. Nice. I'm going off track again and going to not really a classic game, but it is a whole lot of fun. And it's called Throw Throw Burrito. And it sounds wacky because it is. Uh, It plays two to six players. Um, It is relatively quick at about 15 minutes. Um, It's the publisher is Exploding Kittens. Um, so it's the people that made Exploding Kittens made Throw Throw Burrito. So if you're into Exploding Kittens, this is the same art style. Um, I think it's the same artist. Um, it's designed by Matthew Inman, Ela Lee, and Brian S. Spence. Um, so Throw Throw Burrito, if you've ever played Spoons... This is kind of similar in that everybody has a hand of cards and they're trying to make matches. And when matches are made is when stuff happens. So like if you lay down um, two, I think it's like dual cards, I think the player gets to choose two players. And the game actually comes with like stuff like squishy um, they're not really stuffed. They're not like stuffed animals, but they're like that squishy plastic, if you know what I'm talking about. I think so. And each player will uh, get one, 
and then they'll be back to back to each other and take like three steps away from each other and then turn around and try to throw the burritos at each other. Okay. Um, and then there's um, a match that can be made that's like kind of a last man standing like all out duel. And it's when that gets laid down, everybody tries to grab a burrito and not get hit. So it's like a little bit of dodgeball in with spoons that sounds very chaotic so yeah it is it's it is chaotic it can be loud um you want a pretty big space to play it in um but the burritos aren't very big um they're a couple inches i want to say i'm really terrible at sizing by the way but they do if you see the box they show you the burritos in the box so, um, but they're really soft. They're really squishy. It's a it's a really good um, kids game. It's a really good party game. Um, you can find it like pretty much anywhere. Um, and Jason was informing me that they have an extreme throw throw burrito, which you have to play outside because the burritos are inflatable and are like the size of a person. <laughs> and i think the cards are oversized too so it's definitely more of a summer outdoor probably you can play it by a pool kind of game Um, but the concept is the same (laughs) throw a burrito and knock them into the pool yeah um and you when you get hit by a burrito you do get a wound and if you get enough wounds i want to say it's like two or three wounds you're knocked out of the round. So it's basically like a last man standing kind of game. Brutal. So, yeah. But it's it's just one of those where it's, it's a really good game for kids to kind of let off a little extra steam, a little extra energy. Mm-hmm. I've played it a few times. And um, obviously you don't want any like breakable objects nearby. But otherwise, the aim is to hit other players. Uh, so generally, there aren't too many uh, misfired burritos. And it's just hit and... somebody so hard, it knocks them down and they break a lamp. <laughs> and the burritos themselves, they are not heavy. They are very, very light. But I do not, I don't recommend playing a round fragile, <laughs> fragile knockable down things like lamps or tvs or cabinets sort of thing (laughs) yeah yes throw throw burrito Burrito. i've got another classic for you so many classics (laughs) this one is splendor just kidding it's splendor in case you, you didn't hear it kind of it it's two to four <laughs> it runs about 30 minutes it's by space cowboys and is by mark andre so splinter is also another kind of resource management mm-hmm. it's a very classic theme apparently resource management it is um, so in splinter you are actually um 
whatever the term is for people who like take jewels and make jewelry. I don't think it's jeweler. I think it's something else. Uh, but anyway, uh, there are <laughs> five different color gems. There's diamonds. Um, uh, Isn't it like ruby and sapphire? Ruby, and... Emerald, emerald, sapphire, and I forget what the black one is called. Anyway, there's a, there's a black one as well. <laughs> and then there's gold. Um, and then there's uh, there's cards on the table. I think it's three by four. Um, there's like level one, level two, and level three. Um, so the level one cards are like really easy and kind of cheap to get. Like maybe you only need like a couple gems to be able to find it or be able to buy it. And then the second one's a little bit harder to get. And then the third level, like you, you need a lot. So um, the game comes with like these little poker chips that have the gems on them. So on your turn, you can pick uh, three uh, different gems, two of the same as long as they're, the stack is four or more. Or you can buy a card with your, your gem chips or you can reserve a card, which you take a card off the, the table and a gold piece. And the gold is kind of like a wild that you can play. And when you purchase a card, it usually has a gem in the upper like left-hand corner, I want to say. I think it's the left. Might be right. One of the corners, upper corners. It's been a um, very that, long time since I've played. <laughs> yeah, so that kind of becomes like a permanent for you. So the chips are like temporary and you have to like spend them to be able to buy a card where the cards, like once you have it, like say you, you bought an emerald card, that is a permanent emerald that you always have to spend towards buying something. Mm -hmm. So instead of having to put like a chip back with an emerald on it, you can just say, oh, I'm going to buy this with, you know, these other chips and then my emerald card and the emerald card stays in front of you. You never lose it. Um, and then off to the, the side are nobles, and they have uh, point abilities on them. Um, so let's say what says like four green and four blue. So that means you have to have four permanent uh, emerald cards and four permanent uh, sapphire cards to be able to buy that emerald. And as soon as you get the, the four and the four, that emerald comes into, like, you put it with your stuff and they're worth so many points and then some of the cards are worth points too so some of them help you just establish like permanence and some of them actually give you points um so the first person to get to 15 points will trigger the end of the round and then once everybody's taken their final turn then whoever has the most points wins but it is one of those um everybody gets equal amount of points so if, like, the last person triggers the end round, nobody else gets any more turns. If the first person does, then the second oh, and third and fourth so player get extra one turns. one of those kind. Okay. Yeah, so it does matter who the first person, who the first player is, because depending on who triggers the end depends on if you get an extra turn or not. This is one, it's a, it's a classic. I've actually played in like a Splinter tournament at oh, uh, really? game bo board game convention. <laughs> I actually didn't do terrible, but didn't oh, yeah. do great. Uh, 
Uh, there's definitely different strategies mm-hmm. um, I've seen played. Um, I typically try to get a decent chunk of permanence of all the colors. So, like, towards, like, mid to late game, you can get a lot of games for free or for really mm-hmm. cheap. Because you don't yeah. have to get as many chips to be able mm-hmm. to buy a card. Um, I've seen a lot of people, they really utilize the reserving a card. Um, you can you can reserve up to three at a time, and then, like, you know, once you buy a card, you could reserve another card. I've seen people use that as their strategy, so they're pulling off those, like, really high cards and working towards them, or, like, a card that's, like, really valuable mm-hmm. to, like, a lot of people. And they're um, taking it off the table, basically. Yeah, they're taking it off the table so nobody else can get it, but mm-hmm. they can still work towards it because they mm-hmm. didn't quite have what they needed for it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, like, another strategy is, like, I'll look at um, the colors needed to buy a noble because I think mm-hmm. the nobles are worth three points, five points, three or I five points, one of those. Um and I'll, I'll see, like, the most common, like, if they have a lot of white or a lot of blue, then maybe I'll go a little bit heavier on those so I can get those mm-hmm. nobles because they're worth a decent chunk of points. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just different strategies that you can do in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really simple once you see the layout of it. Um, mm-hmm. It's It's just really fun. I know some people, I do know a couple people that don't like it. But I would say with it being a classic, you should always mm-hmm. give it a try. Yeah. It's another one that has an app. So if you mm-hmm. want to learn how to play or you're not quite sure you want to invest mm-hmm. in the physical version because you don't know how to play, you don't know how you feel about it, you mm-hmm. can buy the app for, you know, pretty cheap and try yeah. it out that way. Um, I do know there is a Marvel reskin of Splendor. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard it plays exactly the same. But it is Marvel themed, um, so it's probably like Infinity Stones instead I think of so. you know, regular gemstones. Or something yeah, like that. something like that. But um, it has been a very, very long time since I've played Splendor, and I don't, I don't have it. I've kind of thought about getting the Marvel version, um, mm-hmm. just to to mix it up a little bit, so it's not just regular Splendor. But there is right. a a sort of simple elegance to it and I think that might be why a lot of people don't really like it is because of um it is very easy to pick up but it's one of those games where it is very easy to master I think Mm -hmm. um and if you're playing it repeatedly and you're showing it to a lot of people and they're just having fun with it and you're just absolutely like kicking ass it might not be fun for you anymore (laughs) but i don't um, think i've gotten to that point um yeah i still really enjoy it um yeah they do have for those who've maybe played splendor uh, Mm -hmm. they do have expansions out now in the physical Mm -hmm. version i think they only have like maybe one or two on the app they don't have all the expansions on the app yet Mm-hmm. Um, but they do add extra elements and different mm-hmm. kind of like goals in a sense of in the game. Mm. Like one is called um, Cities, Splendor Cities. And oh. instead of having nobles, you have like 
cities off to the side that you can play towards and they're okay. really expensive like uh, once you buy them it gives you a huge chunk of points but they are like harder to get yeah because so. de- definitely the one thing i remember about splendor is those chips are definitely weighty so you yes, definitely feel good are, like, using them yeah they're definitely good quality like mm-hmm. poker chip mm-hmm. almost like quality mm-hmm. um, chips, so the components are really nice. The oh, very nice. you do a lot of shuffling, um, so the cards do kind of get a little like um, I guess chipped in a way um, mm-hmm. on the edges. But yeah. I'm sure you could probably sleeve them if mm-hmm. you really wanted to, and it would be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do actually. I don't know if they sell them regularly, but you might be able to find them. But like a splendor. Like mat that you can play that has like the nice layout where it tells you where to put everything, and it keeps all nice and organized for you. I I love those mats. You can find Mm -hmm. them. They're generally not like licensed, but you would think that the you know the company would license them because I think Splendor did make like actual maps mats but i don't think they really sell them much now it's more mm-hmm. of like if you find it but yeah you could go to a place i think that's what we did before we actually took part in the tournament i think mm-hmm. one of us won an actual splendor mat oh. but before that um my husband was able to find a place that was all like hey we make mats and he sent them a picture of like a splendor layout and like they made Mm-hmm. you know that mat and sent it to us so we kind mm-hmm. of already had one mm-hmm. but it is nice that game to have like a little bit of like a layout yeah a where to layout. play things yeah those those mats are just really really nice it's just like an added extra niceness to a game it's not something that is ever needed but when you have it mm-hmm. it is like you know the icing and cherry on top Yep. Sure is. But yeah, <laughs> that is Splendor. Splendor is Splendorous. It's my new catchphrase theme song for them. <laughs> Love it. Perfect. Because I'm going to talk about Pandemic. Two to four player game. Plays about 45 minutes. Published by Z Man Games. Uh, the designer is Matt Lecoq. Leacock? Leah Leacock. Sure. Yep. That's a name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, That's a Pandemic- name right there. <laughs> Pandemic is a purely co-op game. So it's one of those games where it's a two to four player game. But I don't see why one person couldn't run two different characters and play it by themselves but each player takes a um, occupation and each occupation has special abilities and in fitting with everything you're trying to prevent um, viruses from spreading and you want to eradicate them too real too real so it's like a a set collection kind of game because in order to find a cure, you have to have um, 
I want to say it's five or six of the same color city or like colored card. So um, it's a world map and each city is kind of, they've chunked them up into different sections for the four different diseases. Um, so you have the blue section, which is mainly the United States, and you have the yellow section, which is mainly um, South America and a little bit of Africa. And then black is kind of more of Eastern Europe and the Middle East. Um, and then red is more um, China and Japan and um, that side of the map. And your goal is to, I think it's just to stop the spread of all four diseases. You don't have to eradicate them. And a lot of people kind of mess it up when they play. They lose because they think they have to eradicate the disease. Um, that's just kind of an added bonus and it makes the game a little bit easier. But you don't need to eradicate the diseases. Um, but there's a lot that can go on in your turn. Um, on your turn, uh, it's been a hot minute since I've played Pandemic. I think each player on their turn draws, I think it depends on the number of outbreaks you're on, is how many cards you pull off of the outbreak deck. Mm -hmm. um, generally it's two, and I think for like an easier mode, it only goes up to like three cards. Um, and that's how many cities you add a cube to, and that's basically more people are being infected in a city for each cube in a city. If you have a city that already has three cubes, and you draw a card that has that city, that city outbreaks, and you move the outbreak, outbreak tracker down one, um, and then every city connect to that city gets a cube. So... It's a pain. <laughs> It's very, very annoying, but it's, it is so much fun to play. We generally play, when we play, we play open-handed, so that way everybody can see everybody's hands. I know some people might not play that way. Um, they like to keep their hands secret. Um, it's sort of all dependent on how you want to play, but that way we can kind of see and discuss um, who's going to be trying to go for kind of what color cards then that way we can communicate better on like who needs to meet up for cards sort of thing but i would say pandemic is a really kind of classic cooperative game it is very heavy-handed with the cooperativeness it's a very all or nothing sort of thing yes. so you either, all win or you all lose, lose. yeah there's like five ways to lose yes um and there was a beautiful 10-year anniversary um version that came out um a few years ago um so if you played pandemic i highly recommend you check it out it's gorgeous it comes with actual character minis mm. all the diseases actually come in like little petri dishes so it's really cute nice. and it's like a nice place to like store them too in the box and the box itself looks like an old school like um medical box you know what i'm talking about mm, like a first maybe. aid box like a yeah. metal first aid box that you'll see on like a wall or something like that so it's like a really great 
display piece. Nice. All in all, Pandemic, there's like a million different versions of it. They all play vaguely the same. There are plenty of expansions for Pandemic. All in all, I I really highly recommend Pandemic. They do have three legacy versions, which if you never played a legacy game, um, season one of Pandemic has one of the best legacy games, um, just how it is played and laid out. And then when you're done playing the legacy version, you can play regular Pandemic on your board. And if you don't know what a legacy game is, it's a game that every time you play the game, something changes or something happens in the game that you might destroy a card or something gets unlocked and you can use something now or just kind of stuff like that. If you're looking, if you love Pandemic and you're looking for a legacy game, it is a really great legacy game. I think legacy is like you never play the same one twice and it's not just because like the cards come out differently like most mm-hmm. of the time, literally, you're, you can never play the same game twice because something in the in the rules yeah. or the board itself is physically it's, getting changed to where it's yeah. you can't play it the same again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like everybody's version will wind up playing differently based on how you get stuff unlocked and everything. So if you're looking for one to get into, it's seriously a good one. <laughs> That's pandemic. Pandemic is so hard. Anyway, uh, <laughs> my last game is Dixit, and I really love Dixit. It's fun. It's three to six people. It runs about thirty minutes. It's by um, Labellid, or however we decided it was pronounced. And it's by Jean-Louis Rubira. So if you remember, Labellid also made Mysterium, which is a fantastic game. But Dixit is, um, I think the base game is like, by like, it's got a similar art style where it's like a bunch of like jarbled things on one card. Mm-hmm. Um, Very so everybody... uh, dream-esque kind of cards. Yeah. Yeah, so everybody gets, like, a hand of, I think, like, six cards, and then there's, like, a score track. And how you play Dixit is somebody will go first, and they'll think of a clue. It could be a word or a phrase, and they'll pick a card from their hand that they think best describes that clue and puts it down. Then everybody else has to pick a card that best describes that clue and puts it down they get mixed up they get put out and there's like numbers on the side of the board like one two three four five six and you'll put the cards in those slots and then everybody has number tokens and they will then once everybody's picked a card and their their face up everybody picks the card that they think um is the person who gave the clue his card or Mm -hmm. whichever one like they think fits the clue the best and really the goal of the game is you kind of want to split the room a little bit 
like you don't want all the points on your card, but you don't want nobody to pick your card as mm-hmm. the person who's like said the said the clue. Mm-hmm. You don't want to make it too easy, but you don't want to make it too hard. Yeah, because um, <laughs> you get points based off of like how well or how bad you did, mm-hmm. and then um, who like if somebody else picked another player's card, like the player's card that was picked gets points. But you get the most points if you can split the room. Like, you find that happy medium of, mm-hmm. like, some people picked it, but some people didn't. And uh, so your little tokens on your board are like little bun buns, which is adorable. So and I think the first person to get, I, th- I want to say like 30 points or something like that, wins the game. So um, the rounds just kind of keep going until somebody reaches that um that limit of points Mm -hmm. but it's super fun it's it's very artsy creative Mm -hmm. in a sense um or like just kind of and it's also fun seeing how people like word associate Mm -hmm. almost like kind of how people think think. yeah like how they associate Um, different things it is really cool to see but with the cards um, and what's great about how, like, unique the cards are, um, going back to Mysterium, like, you can almost swap out the decks. Like, if you've played Mysterium a million times, or you've played Dixit a million times, you could almost swap the decks. Um, Dixit also does have a ton of expansions that have mm-hmm. different cards by different artists. Um, I believe I got... Um, the expansion 10, I want to say it was 10, um, it's got, like, really nice, clean, um, artwork, and it's kind of got, like, little gold inlay in some of it, like, that gold foil, like, look into it, and it's just, like, so pretty and so sophisticated, um, so, like, the, there's definitely different art styles in the different expansions, so, if you get tired of looking at the same cards or you want to see like cards from like a different artist or whatever they do have lots of expansions but um i think it does have a lot of replayability because not everybody's gonna say the same clues for the mm-hmm. same types of cards yeah um so a lot of it's it's very interesting it's unique mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think but yeah dicks it dicks it it's a beautiful game. It is. I think that just about wraps it up. <laughs> Wonderful gateway games that we had today. And a lot of them do have expansions if mm-hmm. you're like, oh hey, I already have this game. Yeah. There's more ways to play. Yeah. I think that is what's kind of nice about a lot of the gateway games is that a lot of them have made themselves gateway games because they've been around for a little bit. They're not the new kids on the block anymore. They've been around for like 10 or 15 years. So they got some good stuff, good backing. You could probably always find some new way to play online for them too. Because I see posts like that all the time where people are like, Hey, I tried to play a game this way. So I recommend looking some stuff up for some games. If you've had them for a little while and want a fresh take on them or something like that. Yeah, boy. <laughs> and that's not to say those are all the gateway games. There's just no. a few of them. 
basically yeah. if you go into Walmart and Target and see a game, even if it's like your classic classic, like Clue or Monopoly, mm-hmm. like those are actually gateway games that you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you happen to see ones that you're not as familiar with as, you know, Clue and Monopoly, mm-hmm. those are probably gateway games. Because mm-hmm. if, if Walmart and Target are like, hey, cool board games, like, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're family friendly. Mm-hmm. Ashley, what did you learn today? What did I learn today? Or in uh, general. Lately. What in general. Recently. I learned that they have these really cool lights on Amazon. They basically act kind of like fire. They're like fire in a light bulb. And you plug it in and it's got like LED strips. And it will orient the flickering fire whichever way you put the bulb in. So if you put it in like upside down, um, because we have them outside of our house, um, the fire still like reacts correctly. So they're very cool. I love them. They add great atmosphere. Nice. I recently learned about Metalocalypse. I knew it was a thing. (laughs) I've never seen it. I've never really listened to it much. Yeah. But it's on HBO Max and we've been watching it. And it is quite entertaining. Yeah. very bizarre. <laughs> uh, like a bizarre show that I like. I mean, it is like adult kind of themed. Is uh, oh, this is definitely adult. Yeah. Uh, C Lab. I think it's C Lab twenty twenty one. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, that all those old Adult Swim shows. Yes, I adore it. I like seeing the theme song all the time. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> if you're into kind of uh, more adult humor stuff, check out C Lab 2021. Let me make sure it is actually C Lab 2021, as I tell people it to like, right, look sure. it up. <laughs> okay, yeah, it is C Lab 2021, and it's like a parody off of C Lab 2020. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's very specific. The uh, adult Adult Swim version is C Lab 2021. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Even got some shows to go watch. There you go. Good stuff. I'm so glad to be back recording. I missed it. Yeah, boy. <laughs> well, as always, make sure you're following us on Facebook and on Twitter at uncontrollfine for twitter and at uncontrollablyfine on facebook we always love hearing feedback and we're doing a bunch of giveaways so come on down (laughs) well this is ashley signing off this is ricky keep it fresh (laughs) y'all Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>